current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. While Florida is trying to recover from Hurricane Ian, is there any recovery for Kenya? California's governor has found a new way to promote the killing of babies, while others have carried out these horrors in Thailand. Meanwhile, the church is looking looking more like the world, while others are looking to blame the rapture as the latest mental health trauma. So call your mama, because we've got drama with Signs of the Times. Our weekly review of Bible prophecy of the world's news for Friday, October 7th, 2022. You can continue listening and learning stress-free when you subscribe to our podcast through Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google. Or if you're triggered by messing with subscriptions, you can listen to episode 235 directly on the Way Media app or hit us up at thewaymedia.net, the only place where you can read the articles from this show or ask Pastor Mark your prophecy question. And now, here to flip the script on this really bad movie we're living in is Pastor Mark, who hasn't sold a single copy of his autobiography. And that's the story of his life. I know. It was a reach. Yeah, no, I, I'm thinking about it. I did, I, it takes me so many. That, I, it's smilence. A I, smile? I, I, gave, I gave Abby three. Yeah? And this is the one that she chose. <laughs> you know, my mind immediately So if you don't to, like the joke, actually blame Abby. Well, I automatically That's... started thinking there's some tricks. So I jumped to the word auto. So I was going to be something about a car. Autobiography. So I jumped to a car in my brain, so then I was trying to process. And Well, you know what's disappointing is that we were off last week. Yes. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Did we miss your joke from last week? No. Okay, keep the, it in the no, I'm, no, but I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking. Here's the problem. <laughs> I'm thinking I had two weeks to find something good, and oh, I still couldn't find but, it. You know, like I said, drama that, for your mama. That, that covered it for me. That oh, was your mama, yeah. The drama mama thing. That's 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 an actually. Effort. I stole that. That's a, a. It was a title of a teaching yeah. that I did for a Wednesday night for you. I love it when I subbed for you, I and it was it. all about our emotions. Yes, and so it was like, call your mama. We've got drama. <laughs> I love so, it. I anyway, love it. That's, that's good where stuff. It is. All right. All well, right. folks, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping because the last time we were on the air, I mentioned this, but I mentioned it at the end of the show, and I know that many of you, when you start to hear the music, you might turn it off. I understand. So now we're going to talk about it at the beginning. Potentially for the next two weeks, definitely one of the two next two weeks, the 14th and the 21st, we will not be here. We will return October 28th. There is the possibility that we will have a show for you on the 14th. If we do, we will be live. If not, I will put out notices on the app and on the website at thewaymedia.net. And on Facebook, on the Way Media Facebook page, and the Calvary Knoxville Church Facebook page, whether we are having the show or not. 
So, yes, there is your technical show housekeeping. There you go. And, and if the Lord comes back during those two weeks, he'll he'll give us that all the be, updates that we could yes. ever need in an instant. So it would be covered. That will be the best prophecy show ever. ever. That's right. That's, That's right. right. I love That's it. right. Yes. All right. Let's get into some prophecy because we got a lot of things to talk about. Yes. Uh, and here we go. From times of Israel, Israel shuts down for Yom Kippur security forces on high alert amid terror threats and maybe just a quick reset for anyone new listening pastor mark if you can tell people what yom kippur is absolutely yom kippur is known as the day of atonement it was kind of like it's the it's the second to the last feast of the of the feast of israel the last one's going to be the feast of tabernacles we just celebrated yom kippur that's why this article's right here it basically is when the high priest would go in one time a year behind the the veil that went into the holy of holies couldn't go in any other time. He would, in the morning, offer the normal lamb sacrifice. Then he would have to offer an oxen for himself to make sure that he was cleansed. Then he would go in, offer blood for the nation. It's a national sacrifice rather than the individual uh, animals. And everybody would fast on that day. Yom Kippur, the only day, really, the Bible asks us to fast. A lot of people don't know that. But it's the only day that God officially mm. asked for fasting. That's it. That one day out of a year. Now, we're encouraged to fast. You know, in seeking God, it's only one day God says, I want you to fast. And that's that one day, Yom Kippur. So the people would fast. He would go in, offer the blood on the altar, or rather on the, the he'd sprinkle it seven times. There's a whole ritual that he would do a certain number of times. He'd sprinkle it each direction on the uh, Ark of the Covenant. Then he would come back out, uh, pray a prayer, incense altars, etc., whatever. Then he'd get the two goats, the Azazel and the La Azazel. One was to be sacrificed as for the nationally for the people, the other was the scapegoat, where we get the term scapegoat. Yes. And that is they would lay their hands on it, transfer the sins of the nation symbolically to the scapegoat, send it out into the wilderness where it would just wander away and get lost. And it, it gave that picture of they're not done away with. They're not forgiven, but they've been put away in the wilderness until one day they can be atoned for, and that would be when the God would, through the Messiah we know now, would atone for all the sins. So a real picture of the Lord's sacrifice and temporarily covering our sins till he came and all that. Then he would again offer the evening sacrifice, and, and that was the day. So it was, to sum it up, and I gave more details than I probably should have, but it was, in essence, a national uh, uh, offering to God as a nation for the national sin, rather than people individually giving the animals on a regular basis throughout the year. Yeah, you know, what just hit me when you said it was the only feast that he asks the people or instructs fasting the people. Fasting feast, yeah. It's a fasting feast, yeah. which is interesting because we know that when we fast and we deprive our body of food, right? You know, God can do miraculous things through that, and that's why you know Jesus said, you know, uh, that demon can't be casted out except by fasting and praying. There's some things. Right. There's some things in our lives, and to hear from the Lord, yeah, getting more in tune with the Spirit, yeah, getting more in tune with the Spirit. But in the aspect of the sin that maybe the fasting causes you to really search within yourself and kind of like find the leaven. Yeah. You know, like when you got to go through the house and sweep and you're, you're looking under everything to get rid of all the leaven. Right. That is God's way of, and somehow that happens when you fast, you know, when you, the body and the mind all work together and maybe certain things now you're available 
Yeah. And certain things come back to your memory of things maybe you haven't even asked forgiveness for. Well, you think I mean, it's just a thought. No, but you're right, Greg. I mean, it, it basically forces us to look inward at who we yeah. are because, again, when you're hungry, all you think about is food. And the only way when I fast, the only way I can get my mind off of food is to get my mind somewhere else. Somewhere else. So I start thinking of other things, whether it's praying for other people or what do I need to look at about me. So it forces you away from the things of the flesh to the things of the spirit. Yeah. And at the same time, because you're depriving the flesh, the spirit gets stronger. And so there's, yeah, there's a lot of things that God has designed there. Uh, I I don't necessarily like fasting. I don't know many people that do, no. but it really has a great purpose yeah. in the kingdom. So you got this great feast, yep. and then Israel's got to be on well, alert. Of course. All their holidays, Greg. And this is, yeah. again, this is not new necessarily, no. but I wanted to include it because I wanted people to realize, and it's not always as bad as it is. On, sometimes they don't have as much that happens on these feast days. But again, it just shows the tension building and how the fact they hate the Jews. Uh, the article says Israel shut down beginning Tuesday afternoon for Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement. And the holiest day of the Jewish calendar, uh, as security forces remained on high alert for the holiday amid the spike in terror warnings. Uh, all flights in, in, in and out of Ben-Gurion Airport were canceled from a time to a certain time. Uh, border crossings were shut down to reopen later. Security officials received more than 80 warnings or intelligence tips about possible terror attacks as the Jewish Israelis prepare to observe the fast day. So some, just something else to note about this. It is the last feast right before the last feast. It's the second to last feast. Uh, and that is, we know they're prophetically being fulfilled. We're up to the Feast of Trumpets, which represents the rapture. But now will be the Day of Atonement. That'll be when the Great Tribulation takes place. That'll be the payday. And really, it's interesting because it was it was offered for the nation so God wouldn't judge them nationally. The fact that they're going to, some of them are going to reject their Messiah, that's why some of the wrath and that national judgment comes down during the Great Tribulation, because they didn't allow the blood of the Lamb to take their sin on themselves. So those that receive the Lord will be forgiven, but those that don't will pay their own atonement, because they rejected the atonement God offered in the Azazel, the Lamb of God. Um, and then after that, the exciting thing, Greg, it's kind of like a time of sorrow and grieving, uh, mourning, you know, whatever, you're fasting that day. Then comes the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Tabernacles is a feast of celebration and thanksgiving. I mean, you feast, you build booths outdoors. It represents the Lord coming to tabernacle or live among his people, which he will do for a thousand years after the Great Tribulation. And we'll see all the feasts fulfilled in the culmination of the Feast of Tabernacles as he comes to tabernacle among us. You know, that's really interesting that you mentioned that because... We've we've often talked that if you're here and you see the Antichrist sign the peace treaty, yeah, you can count the days, the days, absolutely, two thousand five hundred and twenty until the second coming, absolutely. So I'm Daniel chapter nine. So I'm interested to know from a calendar aspect, and I guess you know, with the Jews' calendar being three hundred and sixty days and the Gregorian calendar being three sixty five, I know we've. People got to do some serious calendar math right. to figure this out. But I'm just wondering that how God will work this out when the when the Antichrist signs the peace treaty and the days count that that last day ends up being the Feast of Tabernacles. I, I think it probably. I think that some believe it will, Greg. But then again, you have to be careful because I, I, I know. Get into this I know. Whole, I know. You, know. you could pick the day. You could pick the day backwards. However, I will. Now here's an out. Yeah. Here's an out. We should never say the day or the hour, but I will say this. There's one feast that the rabbis in that day referred to as the feast where no one knows the day or the hour, and that was the Feast of Trumpets. Right. Because it straddled two different days. It's the only feast, Greg, that starts at the beginning of a month. All the rest of them already start in a month. Right. Well, the beginning of a month is special because you start the month when you see the crescent moon and the first three stars. That's how the rabbis determined the day began. Right. Well, 
since you can't exactly know when they really started, because the human eye and error, right. it could be one or those two days. Did it really just end? Did it start? Did we have, did it start on that day? Did it start here? So you can't really pick between those two days when it actually scientifically to God's view really started. So it's one or two days they say could have really been the start of it and they can't nail it down. So since they can't nail down exactly whether it was the end of this day or the beginning of that day, depending on the stars and the crescent moon and all that stuff, whatever, then they say, well, no one knows the day or the hour. Right. You can't know the day. However, you can know the feast and still be technically biblical. You can know and say, look, Jesus is coming back. Feast of Trumpets, and and nobody could say you're a heretic. Nobody could say you're a false prophet. Nobody could say you're wrong. Now, I'm not saying it will. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying talking about you could do that. Technically. Well, I'm talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes. So, so I what know. I'm saying is at the end of the but seven. But the rapture year... is what I'm saying. Though oh. I'm saying the same thing. What you're saying is working from that back to the. You'd know the oh, day of the no, rapture. No, no, no. You're, you're talking about from I when you've always said if you were here and the Antichrist stands up, right, and he signs the peace treaty right you'll know you can count from that day which should be feast of trumpets for the complete seven, all the way down to tabernacles to tabernacles yeah right. yeah so we're saying the same thing okay. what i'm saying is that i got what you're saying my point is is that if you work backwards if it really was exact because yeah. if, if we knew for a fact he was coming back on tabernacles you could probably work backwards and know the day of the rapture because if the rapture happens at the feast of trumpets that begins the seven years right so boom that happens and then you work all the way to the day of the, uh, some say you can, and some say you might even be yeah. able to because no one knows the day or the hour and still be biblical, but you start getting into dangerous territory because right. nobody only th- knows the day or the hour. Well, and the only thing we don't know is that, is that and we're m- making an assumption or not making an assumption that the day of the rapture, when it happens, would be the same day Correct. that the Antichrist signs which the peace treaty. Which we don't know. Which I... We don't know. Boy, we'd be hard-pressed to see yeah, that. We don't anyway. know. We, we don't know. But they, that's what I'm saying. It, yeah. it gets into some strange stuff. But by the way, we do know, Greg. Yes. Um, we do know that all of the calculations are done in the Bible on a 360-day year. That every God, God's consistent. So, expositional constancy. Yes. He only works in 360 days years from, from Genesis all the way to the very end. So then we don't have to. We just need to apply those calculations to the present-day calendar. Yes. And you just do 360 days. You forget about the extra five. You do 360. That's why the seven-year period is going to be 2,520 days. If you did it by a 365-day calendar, it would be higher than that. Higher than that, yeah. And it's 1260. But we know it's that because Revelation tells us. So Revelation tells us it's based on the 360-day year. And, of course, God says, consistent throughout scripture so yeah, yeah. Uh, it gets interesting you got to you have to be careful because you can't nail down the day but i guess I'll, I'll make this point again before we move on you you could technically say he's going to come back that the rapture will happen the feast of trumpets and you wouldn't necessarily be a heretic or a false prophet or even anything because you can't nail the day down it's one or two days so he said no one would know the day right. or the hour well you can't know the day of yeah. the feast of trumpets because it can be one or two days but if you were to say he's coming back on the Feast of Trumpets, I mean, there's a possibility you could be right and you wouldn't be a heretic. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm not looking for him to come back yeah. at the end of the tribulation period on Feast of Trumpets. Right. I'm looking for him to come back at the Feast of Tabernacles. Right. I think I think there's a chance that's of that. What that's why I'm saying. I'm wondering if, if God will work it out that his... Uh-huh. His return it to begin the me. thousand year reign is on that day. It wouldn't surprise me, Greg. Which I, I think I, is I mean, exciting. Been, you know, he's been he's so accurate. Yeah. And and the only thing tricky about the the feast of trumpets is that so far every feast has been fulfilled at that feast and on that day. Well, now you come to the next one, why would God not do the same thing? I'm not saying he's going to. My point is simply this, again, even if he did, 
you still couldn't pick the day and the, day and the hour because it's one of two days. Mm-hmm. So you could technically be right and not be you know, a false prophet or whatever. But but I hope it's, look, I hope it's before because we just had the Feast of Trumpets. He didn't come back. I hope it happens today. And I believe that it could happen at any time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, before we get into pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption, you had an article that you wanted yes. to talk about uh, that is not in our stack. So this is bonus coverage. Yeah, bonus coverage. And I yes. want to throw it in because some of you may have heard about this. And if you didn't, I want to get you up to date on it. Just so you know what it is. I don't think it affects, it doesn't affect the end times, uh, uh, anything changing. I mean, God's schedule's on his schedule. But this from Fox News, Russian nuclear submarine armed with doomsday weapon disappears from Arctic Harbor. Let me read some of this. A top of the line Russian nuclear powered submarine. Um, has gone missing from its harbor in the Arctic, along with its rumored doomsday weapon. According to multiple reports, NATO has reportedly warned members of the Russian Russia's um, Belgorod submarine no longer appears to be operating in its White Sea base, where it has been active since July. Officials warned that Russia may plan to test uh, the, the Poseidon, they call it, weapon system, a drone equipped with a nuclear weapon that Russia has claimed is capable of creating a radioactive tsunami. I'll get to that in a moment. According to Italian media, the drone can be deployed from the submarine at any time and detonated at a depth of one kilometer near a coastal city. Russian state media has claimed it can create a 1,600-foot um, radiation wave. Now, well, I think I thought it was a literal tidal wave. Yeah, it is. Like out of the water. That smashes into the yeah. coast and yeah. eradicate. Yeah. So so here's what's going on. This is a weapon that basically, there's a couple of things to understand about it. First, let's talk about it. This is a weapon that we can't find. Once it, deploy, it deploys, now he's never, he hadn't deployed this before to the ocean is my understanding. Well, suddenly the gas pipelines get blown up, the Nordic pipelines, which Russia's mad about. Uh, we're still wondering who did that. There's all the fights about, you know, supplies of gas and stuff around the world and the, the, the war with Russia and Ukraine. Anyway, tensions are rising. And in the midst of tensions rising, all of a sudden he puts to sea for the first time this submarine that has this technology that is pretty freaky, to be honest with you. And let's just remember Jesus is in control. I want you to better remember that. Nothing's going to happen that the Lord doesn't approve. And the world's not going to be destroyed by nuclear weapons. We know that. But with that said, so your heart can be comforted, um, it releases this um, nuclear weapon that once released, um, it, you don't know where it's coming. You don't, you can't, we can't detect it. It has a two-propeller system in the back, but the sound is generated, the, the power is generated from within the submarine in such a way that it gives no sound the way our normal sonar can detect it. So if it was launched, we wouldn't know it was launched. We wouldn't know where it is. And there's two uses for it. Probably the second one I'm going to say is probably the more accurate we'd see. But what they could do with it, it's basically saying to the world, if you mess with us, we're going to mess with you. And right now you don't know where our submarine is. We may send it to your shores and just eradicate a part of your nation. What they do is they get it off the coast, detonate it. It is so massive that it creates this giant tidal wave, tsunami. They say up to six, 1,600 feet, even if it was only you know 500 feet, 1,000 feet. It's still going to be unbelievable. Rushing toward the shore, you imagine that hitting the shoreline of California, it would literally send a wave miles into California that would be radioactive water. And so what that would do is pretty much everybody there would die. I mean, if you got, you, you wouldn't, you couldn't escape. If all that water came in, it's so irradiated. What the, what scientists say is that pretty much all of those that go where that water goes, you're going to die. So whoever's there, I mean, your, your, your oceanfront property is not the best place to be. It's not the nicest thing to have if they did something like this. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying they're going to, 
But anyway, that's one use for it. Another use, which I think is very interesting, that I heard someone talking about today, Greg, is that you know we have our aircraft carrier units. You're the one that educated me on this. You're an ex-military guy. I had no clue until you shared this with me. You may not even remember sharing it with me. I thought a big aircraft carrier was just that big ship with the planes on top of it. But I think it was you that shared with me, no, no, no. There's a whole, you know, there's a group of submarines that travel with it. There's planes on top. There's, I mean, it is like it's this, an armada. It's a traveling army. It is a traveling army above and below the water. Yes. Well, what they would do, another thing is if they knew they were going to uh, attack and send a preemptive strike, they find their nearest threat of our armory like that on the ocean, and they send that guy quietly to it. By the time it shows up and they see it, it's too late. They hit the go button. Boom. All the subs underwater. All the ships on top, that whole army that was there on their border that we put there to threaten them, it's gone. And now they just do what they want, you know, with, with not they wouldn't have any other possible things to deal with. But you see the weapon that this thing could be. So I just want you to be aware of this. Here's the main point of this. My understanding is Putin's never deployed this. And so the fact that he deployed it for the first time in his history, I don't know if it's Russian history, I would assume as old as he is, um, it is basically saying to the world, okay. We're serious. If we have to use this, we will. I'm not saying we're going to use it, but if we have to, we will. And my understanding is, Greg, some weapon systems that once you launch, you can actually disable them. If something changes, this one has no disabling mechanism. So once it's launched, it's going to blow up somewhere. Okay. So, so the world knows that. Our leaders know that. Uh, it's gotten everyone's attention. And that's why the president came out today and said, hey, we're closer to nuclear war than we've been since 1962-63 with the whole JFK and the Russian thing with Cuba. He said, we're the closest to it we've ever been. Why? Because Russia sent their sub down. And they're saying, this is, this is a big deal. And, and it happened right after somebody blew up their pipeline, which we think, or the Nordic pipeline, which, which they use, which, again, many think America did that. I think what Russia's saying is, you want to play? You want to play big boy? Let's play big boy. You want to do that? You blow up a pipeline, I'll blow you up. I mean, and the guy, we don't know. The guy's crazy. But Russia and Iran move on Israel. There is some indication that there's going to be other places neutralized. I can see Russia trying to simultaneously take care of other enemies as they're moving into Israel. Only God knows, but we know this. The Lord's our protector. The rapture, I believe, is going to rescue us from much of these things. But there are some things that the world's looking at now. It's interesting, Greg, when you read the Bible, it says men will be will be in fear for what's coming upon them in the last days. Their hearts are going to melt from fear when they realize there's no way out of this. And we're working toward that. And we're seeing, I think, just the pressure turned up with this kind of sudden submersion of this nuclear sub that um is 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 one that we can't find and we can't find those weapons and if they decide to do something we have no no way to stop it we we won't even know where it is till it goes off yeah so it's definitely wars and rumors absolutely there you go matthew 24 wars and rumors of wars and so if that doesn't encourage you nothing will so i just want to build up our (laughs) listeners and encourage you again i want to just say this at the end remember Uh, jesus is on the throne he's in control nothing's going to happen that he doesn't allow and you know what i rest comfortably knowing that we actually have a good news story. Yes. Today, so. All right, good. Well, we'll get to that later after yes, we all sweat yeah, for a while. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. This is from Newsmax. Uh, Hurricane ravaged Florida and the Carolinas uh, face a daunting recovery. Yeah, everybody so, heard about this. You're yes. right. Storms toll on human life was expected to rise as floodwaters receded and search teams pushed farther into the outside world there, so to speak. I think they reported 76 storm-related deaths have been confirmed since Ian crashed ashore on Florida's Gulf Coast. Category 4, Greg, maximum sustained winds of 150. That's just unreal. 
uh, I, I think I was I was in a sixty mile an hour uh, tropical storm one time, and it was even that was a little bit freaky. You know, you, it, the way ooh, it makes a sound is like ooh, it's kind of weird. Anyway, Florida accounted for the bulk of fatalities, thirty five by the sheriff's office in Coastal Lee County, uh, eleven other deaths reported by state officials in four neighboring counties. North Carolina, because it moved up the coast, said at least four more people have been killed there, and so, et cetera, et cetera. Here, why do I put this in here? Because, again, remember what the Bible says, uh, the earth will be groaning in the last days. And so this has nothing to do with climate change. This has to do with the Bible saying the earth is groaning for the return of the Lord. And when the earth gets a, a groaning stomach, you're going to shake on the outside. And that's what we've got going on. It's going to be manifested in many ways. Yeah. Uh, what is the name of Ukraine's president, Zelensky? Right? Yeah, Zelensky. Yeah. I, I know that. People uh, have talked in the past, especially when the war began or was about to begin. Right. You know, they they talked about how they some thought that he could be the Antichrist. Right. And we knew that that wasn't sure. the case. Right. But there were certain indicators about him that were setting people off to think like that. Right. If I were to cast, if I was a casting director to create a Hollywood movie. You go. For the Antichrist. Oh, okay. You know who, and now, and I don't know his his heritage in terms of... With emphasis on hair. With the emphasis on hair. <laughs> it's literally. Um, That's right. You know, whether he has a Jewish background, whether he has an Arab background, you know, whatever his lineage is. Yeah. But I'm telling you how he looks, how he talks... How he behaves in his defiance of the things of God. I am casting California's governor, Gavin Newsom. Bingo. As the Antichrist. He looks like he he would be a perfect Antichrist. He looks like a (laughs) perfect Antichrist. He He really does. I mean, he's got that evil smile and the confidence of evil and that, and this. The hair, I mean, the the look, the the clothing, the way he carries himself. I mean, I'll tell you, it's creepy. Now, it's creepy. Now, Governor Newsom has taken on twisting Bible scripture, yeah, to justify his murdering or desire to have babies in the womb murdered. Yeah, this is from the Washington Times. Gavin Newsom's pro-choice billboards citing bible verse is drawing rebukes from religious leaders no kidding this is a twister game i would not want to play with governor newsom um this is something very fearful to stand before god he's using the word of god for his own evil purposes again his governor newsom's inclusion of the bible a verse on two billboards in conservative-led states and not just that's two billboards over multiple it's not just two billboards lots of billboards two different versions of it in California, as an abortion sanctuary, is drawing sharp denunciations from religious leaders, that, and so it should. The Democratic governor expected to easily win another term in November, or is expected, announced last month that he would use his re-election campaign funds to buy billboard space in seven states that have tightened restrictions on abortion since Roe versus Wade was overturned. Uh, the states are Indiana, Mississippi, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Texas. Newsom's billboards in Mississippi and Oklahoma quote the New Testament verse out of Mark twelve thirty one: need an abortion, California's ready to help. And here's the verse. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Un- so what does that mean? Kill yourself? He's saying, we love you so much, we'll let you come here and kill people. We'll let you murder your babies in the womb. We love you so much. It is so demented. It is so evil. It's and demonic. God have mercy on that man. I would not want to trade places with him. That The judgment, Greg, he's going to face if he doesn't repent and renounce this is fearful. I think about John the Baptist talking to Herod saying, you need to repent. You've had your, you're committing adultery. Uh, that, that judgment is way easier 
than what Governor Newsom's going to face. Why? He was just calling him out on a sin, adultery. Governor Newsom is up the ante. He's using the very word of God, the very words of Jesus Christ, to promote his murder. It would be like if Herod was going, Jesus wants me to commit adultery, and here's the verse I'm going to use to talk about how Jesus wants me to commit adultery. That's the level it's at. Herod wasn't doing that. He was just committing adultery. Gavin Newsom has added fire to it, and might I say fire that's eternal. Yeah. And that is if he doesn't repent, God's going to judge him eternally. It is evil, it is wicked, it is demonic. It even goes on and says, this uh, Bill Don, uh, Donahoe, Donahue, rather, president of the Catholic League, said it is demonic. Um, he, he, said, he said, linked it to eternal misery. Uh, uh, John MacArthur said he's going to face eternal misery. Uh, anybody knows John MacArthur? He wrote him a letter, and I read that letter, and you know, good for him. Yeah. Th- this is when you do something publicly like that, using the very words of God to do what God has denounced, yeah. you deserve the harshest judgment you can face. If, if I had the kind of money that Governor Newsom had, and I was able to buy a billboard next to every billboard, that he put up that says this, yeah. I would put up a billboard next to it with an arrow pointing to his billboard that says, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's right. But I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Bingo. Jesus. That's right. And I might put at the bottom an asterisk, liars will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, there you go. Because he's lying about yeah. the word of God, using it for Amazing. his purposes. There's so many verses, we have, but that's I great, one, Greg. That's great. But I, you know, I fear for him. Look, I take no delight in thinking about no. him burning eternally, no. but he will if he doesn't repent, um, because you cannot, number one, you need Christ to get to heaven. Yeah. Number two, when you use the very words of the Lord for your evil, wicked, demonic yeah. purposes, then there's a higher level of judgment that's coming your way. It is yeah. scary for him. Yeah. Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about any other subject, so to speak, yeah. in his time on earth, because he created it yeah. but it wasn't for man it yeah. was for the satan and the fallen angels That's right. who were in the very presence of god in his throne the origins of all things godly right. and glorious that no man earthly man has ever seen right and their level of accountability yeah requires the judgment for which hell was created yeah wow. it wasn't for us that's right and that's that why created for man but for the devil and his angels yeah and when you read what jesus shares about what hell is like yep well you know all the prophets you're right greg all the prophets yeah. that they mentioned hell, yes. but jesus spoke more about hell than any of the prophets in the bible and the or, reason yeah. is he created it yes. he knows how fearful it is and because of that he's given warning and so boy it's interesting uh, I, I still think of the ominous warning where he said you know what better to to do whatever you need to do not to go to hell than to end up going to hell where the fire is not quenched and the worm never no. dies yeah and i go you know what there's a worm waiting for yeah. gavin newsom uh if he doesn't repent and it's an eternal scary thing and it's it's fire and i'm just saying how it is i'm sorry that's yeah. just what the bible says same thing john the baptist said to herod he needs to repent yeah uh, you're listening to Signs of the Times. It's our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, October 7th, 2022. This is episode, I think it's 235, 236. I can't remember. Well, you'll find it. Don't worry. <laughs> Wherever you subscribe to our podcast or just download our app, the Way Media app, and yep. just go to Signs of the Times. You can't miss it. All right, let's continue looking at pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. 
Uh, Thailand mass shooting. This is from Fox News. More than 30 killed at a daycare center, including children. This is so... Uh, there's just no sanctity of life. I just, again, it, it's just so shocking. You know, we're yeah. going to see more. Again, remember the Bible says in the last days that violence will increase. So you're going to see more and more violence increasing. So it doesn't surprise us, but it is still so shocking and heartbreaking. A mass shooting and knife attack at a daycare uh, center in northeast Thailand. Daycare. Thursday afternoon, with more than 30 people dead, including children, police said. The gunman, believed to be a former police officer, took his own life, according to authorities. Yeah, there's a real coward for you. The confirmed deaths mm. included at least 23 children, two teachers, and a police officer. It happened in the province of Nongbua Lamphu, around 300 miles northeast of the capital of Bangkok. Uh, the shooter came in around lunchtime, shot four or five officials at the child care center first to get them out of the way. And forced his way into a locked room where children were napping and began to kill them. Oh, good I mean, grief. this is just so evil. And look, I, I, <sighs> this is one of those articles you go, wow, do we even need to mention this? But, you know, again, be ready. You're going to see more of this. It's going to get more demonic the closer we get to the Lord's return. You know, my question to you, Pastor Mark, and, and you just read something in this article that is just so apropos to the previous article that we talked about. Yeah. And that is, you know, talking about the advocation of, of, of murder. Yeah. What the world calls abortion, but it is murder. It's not even killing. It's murder. It's it an unjustified murder. killing. That's right. In the mother's womb where the baby is napping. That's right. Unbelievable. And then you've got the same thing. Well, I mean, really, what's the difference? Yeah. I know. Between the two. I know. It's, it's murder in the womb. Wow. It's murder out of the womb. It is. It's demonic. Yeah. All right. Our next article also comes from Fox News. Northern Kenya is facing a hunger crisis amid the worst drought that they faced in 40 years. Yeah. And remember, again, Matthew 24 said you're going to see an increase in uh, these famines Famines. as we get closer to the return of the Lord in a dry riverbed in Kenya's arid northwest. uh, Pastoralist. Dig up every deeper pits in anxious search for water. Again, not pastors, but those for looking for their flocks to have water uh, and for themselves as the region suffers its worst drought in 40 years, which has wiped out livestock crops and deepening the hunger crisis. For the last four rainy seasons, the annual rains have failed across Kenya, Ethiopia, and Somalia and forced 1.5 million people to flee their homes in search of food and water. The impact of the hunger is etched on the face. This is a sad thing to me. Etched on the faces of the children. Filling the stabilization room for serious health problems uh, at the hospital in northwest Kenya. Almost 2 million children in the Horn of Africa require urgent treatment for life-threatening severe acute malnutrition. According to UNICEF, the hunger problem is compounded by the war in Ukraine, which we all know is affecting uh, all the the wheat prices around the world and the amount that's there, and the fallout from the uh, coronavirus pandemic, which has pushed up the price of cooking oil, bread and wheat and flour to record highs at local markets. So, you you know, it's almost like, Greg, bad to worse. You already have the situation where we're facing food shortages due to what happened with this whole pandemic stuff. Then you've got the Russia-Ukraine war, which is a huge um, area for feeding the world there in that region where all the wheat they grow. Um, now you've got the droughts on top of it. And, and you, you, our listeners, you may be thinking, well, how could everything be going bad at, at once? How is all this? This is exactly what the Bible said would happen. I mean, it's not good news on an earthly level. But the Lord warned us, as we get toward the end, it's yeah. all going to start just snowballing one on top of the other. It's going to happen more frequently. It's yeah. going to happen with greater intensity. And so we just need to be ready. But it, here's the good news. It shows us that the Lord's return is that much closer, yeah. which means we can rejoice that this mess is almost over. When we talk about the things of Matthew 24 and in that chapter, 
Jesus said it is like a mother going through birth pangs. Yeah. That these things. And the culmination is a birth. So let's just clarify for a minute. And 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 basically these things that Jesus talked about would increase in frequency and intensity. That's right. Until the child is birthed. That's right. Maybe we hit a reset for people real quick and explain what the child is and is the birth the rapture or is the birth the culmination at the end of the seven-year great tribulation yeah. period great clarification greg to bring up the birth is actually the very end of the great tribulation where the birth of the new kingdom comes in jesus christ comes back he births the thousand-year reign the new kingdom has begun he will restore the earth it will be reborn so to speak even as we are reborn in spirit when we give our life to christ so you're seeing these contractions happening and the intensity increasing. And Greg, when you get to the Great Tribulation, that's labor. I'm that is like that the baby's transition. Coming. That's transition. That baby's on the way, and that's when mom is really uncomfortable. She's screaming. She's like, "Give me the and epidural." Even the husband's uncomfortable. Yes, he sees while suffering like that. Ever, it's just this whole. But you got to go through it. That's when that happens, and then then the birth of the new kingdom that is born. So really, that last three and a half year period when all the judgments are pouring out. That's yeah. just a. That's when you're in full labor, labor pain. And that's the full labor, full labor. And, and there's going to be again the uh, asteroids or meteors hitting the earth. Yep. There's going to be the fires all over the planet, Everything. earthquakes, volcanoes. The sun goes uh, and, and moon go to blood red because the atmosphere is blocked. Again, you know, I talked about this, Greg, at, at a recent conference. Uh, shared it at a recent co- recent conference, and I've shared with our people. I'm, I'm sure I have with our listeners here. There is going to be a destruction of the climate and the environment. It yeah. is going to happen. But it's not your SUV or your big southern truck pipe that's sticking up the back. or At the very or, or, hands of God. God himself is going to destroy the environment of the earth. So those that are trying to fight to save climate change, are, listen, you're fighting God. Yeah, be a good steward, but God's going to destroy the oceans. God's going to destroy the trees. God's going to destroy the sky. God's going to destroy everything as a judgment on the earth for rejecting Jesus Christ. Very clearly, Revelation talks about it. But God's going to come back, and at the birth... Of the new kingdom, after the contractions, he restores it all. The oceans are restored to pristine, sparkling beauty. Skies are cleared out. Um, I mean, just everything. The plants grow back. The weeds are done away with. Just a beautiful earth the way God intended it. And then for those who know the Lord, we now will live truly in a beautiful environment on the earth for a thousand years. And it won't be because we did away with gasoline or tried to run everything on batteries. Um, it's going to be because Jesus Christ has come back and, and he's the only one that can make it work right and fix it. And he's yeah. going to. Amen. Yeah. It's exciting. He needs to quickly. Yes. Quickly, quickly. All right. Let's get into some issues of the church because, uh, the church is involved in prophecy. If you didn't know that, at least the part that is going to deny the Bible and Jesus Christ being the only way to, uh, the father. And uh, the first one comes from the National Catholic Reporter. And really, this kind of dovetails into what you were just talking about, Pastor Mark. Evangelical Group releases a climate change report urging a biblical mandate for action. And this is another group, along with Gavin Newsom, Governor Newsom from California, twisting the scriptures. No kidding. This is such a a, a, a misunderstanding. And they they should know better. You would hope so, Greg, but it's amazing how blind... Look... The Word of God is not being taught the way it should be taught in our churches. And because of that, we have this article. Any evangelical group that thinks there's a biblical mandate for action on climate change is deranged and mis- and misled. They're deceived. Look, before I even read the article, yes, be a good steward. Pick up your trash. 
take care of your water supply. Your, do the best you can to be a good steward of what God gave. But it is not our responsibility. The Bible's clear. We can't save the environment. Colossians chapter 1 says, Jesus holds all things together by his power and glory. He holds the environment. He keeps the water clean. He keeps the air clean. Yeah, but Mark, we're polluting it. No, there's not enough that we could produce that would pollute. What There may be limited pollution, but the Lord is the one that keeps it inhabitable for mankind. It is his design. He knew we would have oil. He knew we would have cars. He knew we would do this. He's got it all timed out when he's coming back to get his church. Great tribulation. New heaven, new earth. And it's so sad to me to see these guys trying to push this really world mindset because Satan is using the climate yes. change agenda, Greg, to forward his agenda in the last days in the one world government. Yeah, and it's, it's really, a deception. Well, and it's really going to be part of, I believe, the one world religion that the Bible uh, talks about as well because absolutely. there's a worshiping of the earth. Yes, Romans chapter one, yes. it says when people quit worshiping God, they begin to worship the creature rather than the creator. And the creature here is the environment. So exactly what the Bible says, stop worshiping. Worshiping the environment. Let me read some of this. The National Association of Evangelicals unveiled a sweeping report Monday on global climate change, laying out what its authors call the biblical basis, not, that's added by me (laughs) in italics verbally, for environmental (laughs) activism to help spur fellow evangelists to address the planetary environmental crisis. And I quote, Creation, although groaning under this fall, at least they recognize that, is still intended to bless us, of course. However, for too many in this world, the beach isn't about sunscreen and body surfing, but is a daily reminder of the rising tides and failed fishing. First of all, tides aren't rising. This is false narrative. That's a false narrative. Go back and look. We have pictures, Greg, from over 100 years ago looking at all the oceans. They're in the exact same place. They haven't moved an iota. It's, just, it's total manipulation and falseness that people believe because they don't know better. Please, listeners, go do your homework. Look up beaches from you know 100 years back. Look up cliff areas. It hasn't changed. Anyway, I just this drives me nuts. Let me go on. Yes. Uh, failed fishing, maybe just because you're not a good fisherman. But anyway, let me go on. <laughs> uh, says the report penned by the NAE president, Walter Kim. And I quote, the Bible does not tell us anything directly about how to evaluate scientific reports or how to respond to a changing environment. Well, then that should be enough for you. But it does give several helpful principles, care for creation, uh, love our neighbors and witness to the world. That has nothing to do with climate environment. It's a perversion of the scripture. It is a twisting of the scripture the same way that, you know, again, Governor Newsom is twisting the scripture. They go on to say, and I quote their last quote, we worship God by caring for creation. Of course you can worship God by being a good steward, but we worship God by worshiping God. And as we sing to him, we, 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 we disciple his people, we share the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and if you repent and turn to God, you can be saved. That's worshiping the Lord. And yes, be a good steward, but this is just, it is Romans 1, it is, the, it is just deception of the enemy. It drives me nuts. It is incredulous to me to think that a group of people that proclaim themselves to be Christians... To understand the Bible, yeah. to understand the nature and the sovereignty of God right. who created the heavens and the earth, right. and that he says, my ways are not your ways, they're beyond finding out the power and prominence of God over man, yeah. that if they understand his deity and his power and his creation, his creation, not right. ours, right. his that they somehow are, with that knowledge, are somehow now deluded to think that they can be like God and control the very thing that he created or change it or modify it. 
there's a there's a difference between stewardship and sovereignty and stewardship has its limitations right it's not ownership stewardship is not ownership that's right that's right and and the church these people that are buying into this where they think that it's man's responsibility to save the earth somehow and that man has the capability to save the earth yeah is where the apex of arrogance and yeah. ignorance meet you're exactly right both are there greg and that's why i want to bring up for a second yes. here because the ignorance part is where here's the thing i understand the unbeliever trying to do this because think about it absolutely this is the, all the, we're got. talking about the church yeah no yeah. that's yeah but but for the unbeliever absolutely i, I, get, I get it, it. This yep. is their only chance for survival. This is it. If something, if God's not holding it together, they have to. And that means they better do something, whatever it is, because we're all going to die and they don't want to die, right? But, but, but God says, in turning to me, you'll have rest. That is, when we turn to God and we realize that He is the creator, He's the one that made everything, He holds all things together, as it says in Colossians chapter one, by His power, then we don't need to panic. We yeah. don't need to worry. The Lord is holding it together. I, you know, I've said this before, Greg, we have That's a generation a of anxious people right now, our yep. kids. Our next generation, they're anxious, they're suicidal, they're neurotic. Now, there's a lot of different reasons for that. We're having a lot of problems statistically in the new generation. But I'll tell you, I think one of the big influencers and impactors of that is this. It is your job to save the earth. Now, think about that for a minute. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm just trying to brush, learn to brush my teeth. Then I want to make it to class on time. And then I want to try to get through high school and see if I can't get a degree and get a job. And I've got to save the planet? I, I don't know how planets work. How do I keep, how do I control the rotation of the stars? How do I make the sunlight stronger or less? How do I, you know what? It's, it's ridiculous. It is absurd. And it, it's no wonder our kids are, are panicked. If you really believed that we're just this floating orb, and no one's holding it together. I don't see how we wouldn't all be panicked every second. I'd be saying, look, any minute we're all dead. Any yeah. minute. Something fly through the earth. I mean, through the, through the stars. And boom. Right. We're just dead. You could never have rest. But when you know Jesus Christ, you know that he holds all things together by his power and glory. Well, you know that he has a plan yeah. that he's told us that we talk about on the show prophetically all the way through to the birth of the new kingdom where he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth. Then he's going to destroy this earth completely. You talk about environmental problems. He's going to create a new heaven <laughs> yes. and a new earth, and we'll live there forever. Because of that, yeah. I can sleep. Yeah, I can rest. That doesn't mean I'm going to run out and start throwing out banana peels and, and trash on the road, and I'm going to do everything I can to get more pollution and dump gasoline in the water. No, that's what's that? That's just destructive anarchy. I'm not saying that. I'm saying live responsibly. Love the Lord, worship Him, let Him take care of the environment. Only He can. We can't change things. He's God, we're not. And let it go and, and relax. It, it is, it is, and now to see an evangelical group yeah. where they say they believe the Bible, Greg, what it shows me is yeah. they either don't really believe or they just don't know their Bibles. You cannot know your Bible and say that we're supposed to save the planet. The Bible is very clear. God saves the planet. There's one Savior. Jesus Christ, Lord of all. So anyway, I I, I feel passionate about yeah. several of these topics today, but it's like my goodness. Yeah, but you're ta- But I liked what you shared was in Colossians or Corinthians. In Colossians, Colossians, yeah, Colossians chapter one. Uh, let me look it up real quick. I'll read I mean, it's it. Worth, but, it's worth reading. Yes, because, it is because that really what you shared is even better than what I shared because it it really hits to the heart of the issue, and that is 
Who's holding everything together? That's right. Who's keeping everything together from collapsing? That's right. It's God. Right. In Colossians chapter 1, I believe it's verse 16. I'm almost there. Finally, I'm there. Here we go. Listen to what it says. Um, It says, speaking of the Lord, starting in verse 15, and I'll just put his name in there because it's speaking of Jesus. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him... All things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him, and all things were created for him, and he is the before all things, and in him all things are held together. Period. Period. Case closed. Period. Period. Relax. Everybody relax. take a deep breath. Relax. Yes. Here's the thing. You may have a strong emotional opinion out there, and maybe you're upset with me. I encourage you, go look this up. Look, Do a word study in Colossians 1, and relax. He's in control. And understand this. It's more than just trying to win. I'm not, I don't care about winning a, a, it's not winning an, an argument. argument. Yeah. I really don't care. I'm too old for that. As yeah. a kid, maybe. I don't care about that now. I want truth to get out. Yes. But here's my point. The, the idea is simply this. This is something, the Bible says in the last days, that Satan is going to introduce sinister schemes that will unite the whole world in a one-world government, a one-world religion, a one-world everything, and he will call himself God and take over. Okay, that's going to happen yeah. prior to the Lord coming back. Yeah. The, climate, this is a sinister scheme, Greg. Yes, it that is. That because people aren't scientists, they can't, oh, I can't prove it's wrong, that now everybody's believing and he's causing the entire world to work together as a unit to save the planet. He's uniting the world. It's really ingenious. It is. He's uniting the world around yes. this climate thing yes. so that he can step in and control it, take yeah. it over, and run it and declare that he's God. Yeah. It is it is a total ruse. It's deception. And it's and, and let me say this. If you're listening going, but there have been truly environmental changes. They, okay, look, I'm not going to get into the science about what environmental changes have happened or what hasn't happened. There may very well be changes in temperature. There, we know there's more earthquakes. We know there's more this and that. But the Bible said that would happen as the earth would be groaning in Romans chapter 8, verse 22, in the last days. So the Bible tells us it's not because of climate change that man's doing. It's the earth and God allowing it to happen because it's part of heading toward the new kingdom. I would venture to say, Pastor Mark, that the bigger impact on the earth's environment and the cause of the groaning of the earth has nothing to do with tailpipes or smokestacks, yeah. but it's because of man sinning in the garden yeah. created the fallen nature, and this world is now under that curse. So it's not just man, yeah. but it's God. When God created the, the earth, it was perfect. That's right. But when sin entered... Somehow, our sin affected the world. That's right. The earth That's that right. God created. The earth was cursed with because of Otherwise, us. Otherwise, why would the earth be groaning? Yeah, it's because of us. It says it's it was cursed of us. because of us. Exactly. And, and Greg, here's the thing, too. A lot of people, here's a fact. A factoid for our listeners. You want to out save there. the environment? Get rid of sin. <laughs> you're right. You're exactly right. But I want to say what people don't realize is this whole push toward batteries and electric power. It pollutes way more than any oil or gas ever could. And let me give you one example of it. Listen, the science is out there. If you want to go look it up, it's there. Much more pollution and destruction is going to be done by battery-powered cars than gasoline and oil. Much more. And here's one small example. It takes 500,000 pounds of mined material 
to get 1,000 pounds worth of battery. 500,000. Yeah, not 5,000. To get 1,000 uh, 1, 1, pounds of battery. You know how much gas, oil, pollution, machines, you can't do that with a battery. It's got to be done that. What is that producing? Way more than if you just mined, just, just yeah. took the oil and made gas and did it. How that, destructive uh, is that to the earth? It, that's what I'm saying. It is absolutely, <laughs> the whole push toward oh electric cars and batteries is destroying our environment. Yeah. And how ironic. They say they're trying to save the environment. Satan is mocking us by destroying the environment through the effort to save it through electric cars and batteries. God knew what he was doing when he created oil and gasoline. He knew we'd be driving cars. He knows what the atmosphere can handle. And so now we're saying, no, we're, we're smarter than you, God. We know better. We're going to do away with that. We're now going to t- t- take something that takes twice the amount of pollution to create to suppo- supposedly do away with the pollution. I, I tell you. I, sometimes I feel like my head will blow off, but but here's the thing: I recognize this. I recognize that until God shows you and opens your eyes, a lot of people don't know. I recognize that, yeah. and that's not an arrogant, prideful statement. Not no. that I, I I don't have the answers. I don't. Guys, I God has wisdom. I don't. My point is, is that if you'll just trust the Bible and believe it, you'll be wiser than your teachers. David said, yeah. "Trust the Bible and believe it." That's where wisdom yeah. comes from. All right. Well, let's uh, well, cool, let's cool you off and get I you on another to cool topic. Christianity you. Today. Most evangelicals see worshiping alone as a valid replacement for going to church. I think the Bible might argue against that. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, it's interesting, Greg. They talk about worshiping alone. Um, you know, again. Now, this is funny here because I remember that article, but for some reason, I have the rapture anxiety article, but that article's well, gone. Well, no, because no, it, it should be there. Um, I, but I things are maybe out of order. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Somehow, no. Oh, e- either way, I'm somehow I'm missing it. I apologize, but I read the article on exactly what what you're talking about. Um, read the headline again, sure, because so, well, I read the whole well, article. Here's what it says: According to a report released by the Southern Baptist Convention affiliated Lifeway Research titled The State of Theology, 66% of Americans agree that worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. I must have that's, actually, the, no. that's the summary of I'm the I'm so of the glad thing. you yeah. brought that up because yeah. I must have accidentally deleted it here. That's I don't know how I did that, but here's the bottom okay. line. That is, again, listen to me, listeners. There is no biblical replacement for going to church. The Bible says this. It, it, what they're saying is stay home, worship alone. You don't need to be there. The Bible warns, do not forsake the assembling together as is the manner of some. It talks about this in Hebrews, um, especially as you see the day approaching. Now, Greg, here's what's key about this. What he's saying is don't think you can worship alone. You need to be. Yes, you can as an additional thing, but you need to be worshiping as a With body your brothers of Christ. And sisters. Yes. yes. And he says, do not forsake this as is the manner of some. Because they're doing that, and this is what's happening in the article. Some people are doing yeah. that. He says, don't be like those people. Yeah. You keep going. And here's the context that's huge for me. Yeah. He said, because, he said, especially as you see the day approaching. What is the day? What is the day, yes. The day is the approaching of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. Now, why is that important? Because the Lord said in context in Matthew 24, and he said, in the day that I come back, you're going to see earthquakes, famines, pestilence, everything going crazy. So the context is this. When the world's collapsing, pandemics, viruses, whatever, still go to church. Don't stop going to church because of that, as is the manner of some, because they're wrong, they're in sin. Stay in fellowship. So that's huge to understand the context and the command of the Lord. All right, Christian Post, CNN is reporting, Christian Post is reporting that CNN, of all people, (laughs) of all media outlets, is warning of rapture anxiety or religious trauma 
over the teaching of the rapture. Isn't it amazing how Satan reverses the truth to oh. make it look wrong? He makes right, wrong, or wrong, right. Yes. I mean, are you kidding? This is what the Bible calls the blessed hope. And he knows that, so he goes to the blessed hope and says... It makes oh, it the blessed trauma. He's, yeah, and blessed, yeah, yeah, unblessed anxiety. Listen to what it says. Could teaching what's described in the Bible as the blessed hope actually be a source of anxiety and trauma? <laughs> Let me answer that. No. No. An article published by, you guessed it, CNN, <laughs> with a headline, For some Christians, rapture anxiety can take a lifetime to heal, uh, depicts the eschatological doctrine of the imminent return of Christ for his church as a chronic problem. Yeah, it's a chronic problem for Satan, because he hates it, but it's a blessed hope for us. The article also describes the teaching as recognized by some faith experts and mental health professionals as a top of religious trauma. That is nonsense. You're saying that the creator of the universe and his word is religious trauma. No, that is the exact opposite. It is our blessed hope. Featuring a stock photo with the caption, some Christians develop fears related to teachings of the rapture. Probably because they're living in sin. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the article profiles two women who have battled so-called rapture anxiety, including April A. Joy, who uh, recalled waking up to a anxi- uh, quiet home as a 13-year-old girl and fearing she'd missed the rapture. And I can, I can see as a kid you know, being worried about that, but this is this is so silly. Yeah. Uh, it says, A. Joy's mind began churning, trying to remember, make plans. Uh, had she sinned, et cetera, et cetera. Gil says, another woman in Georgia, uh, Chelsea Wilson, told the cable news outlet that she grew up in an evangelical community and believed the end times teaching was akin to a scary campfire story. No, it is the word of God. It is our blessed hope. It is why I am so encouraged right now, because at any minute, the Lord can come get us and get us out of here. I rejoice. I have no anxiety about the rapture. I rejoice for the rapture. My anxiety would be no rapture. That would be what the anxiety is. No, we rejoice because he's coming after us, Greg. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, let's finish with some good news. Uh, This is from Christian Headlines. Uh, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts keeps eyes on Christ, where he says God is everything and he's worthy of praise. Okay, when he played for Bama, we didn't like him. Now we love him. (laughs) That's right. quarterback for the division-leading Philadelphia (laughs) Eagles. Unless you don't like the Eagles. That's right. For the Eagles, he wants to be a good example for children who are watching him and to be remembered as someone who made a difference in the lives of others off the football field. Hurts, a dual-threat quarterback who played college football at Alabama and then Oklahoma, says his Christian faith drives everything he does. And I quote, That's something that I've just matured in and realized that God is everything and he's worthy of praise. Uh, you have to put him in the center of everything you do, and that's what I believe. I've been blessed to grow, learn, learn things, and just mature, and I know God's been there the whole time. Uh, the entire way. I keep God at the center of everything. He said, I give him all the praise. I lean on him all the time. And I know that everything unfolds the way it's supposed to. I just want to set the right example. I want to be remembered as someone who made a difference. You know, that's an everyday thing. It's something that I think about every day. So good for him. And again, I think about the impact, Greg. I think about the impact that these athletes had on me when I was a kid had a great impact on me. And I think of the impact that Jalen Hurts and others who are vocal about their faith in Jesus Christ have on the next generation. Praise the Lord for these guys that are, I know they're taking heat, you know, not just in the spirit realm, but even from the world, they take heat for preaching the gospel, but good for him. And, and, you know, as we come to the end of the show, we talk about preaching the gospel. I'm going to do that. And I know that I've been rather passionate today. I don't know why I was so passionate. I was, but it all comes from the heart based on this. God loves you. I'm passionate for the word of God and his love for you and the truth of his word. When I see his word being lied about, I get passionate. Yeah. When I see people that need Jesus Christ, they don't know him, I get passionate. But here's what Jesus said. He said, the Bible says he died for you. Those of you listening right now, he died for you on the cross. A cross of wood that he made and let them nail him to it 2,000 years ago so that his blood would wash you clean of all your sins. 
because only blood can wash sins away. It had to be pure blood. He had the only pure blood ever besides Adam. Then Adam tainted his when he fell. So Jesus came back to do what Adam couldn't do. He kept his blood pure. He died on the cross. He spilled his blood. And if you simply do this, confess your sin, ask him to forgive you of, of your sin and believe that he died for you on the cross and his blood is for you, you will be born again and saved forever. That's my encouragement for you today. Receive Jesus and his amazing love for you. And if you're a believer and you're nervous about the rapture, then maybe if you are in sin or something like that, have your own day of Yom Kippur. Fast, pray, and ask God to show you whatever might be holding you back from seeing the rapture for what it is. And that's our blessed That's right. That's right. Praise Uh, the Lord. All of our outlets will keep you advised if we'll have a show next week or not. In the meantime, keep loving the Lord. Be in church, as Hebrews says, and we'll see you soon on Signs of the Times. Uh